Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. Remember the context. We've been talking about uh, sacrifices that please God, uh, the sacrifice of of praise and the sacrifice of of doing good. And no doubt what we're going to read here falls within that context. A sacrifice of praise of uh, a sacrifice of praise to God, uh, of worship to God. To, to the, it, it falls within the realm of worshiping God with reverence and awe. And particularly, we're going to be talking about the attitude toward leaders, the attitude of the congregation toward leaders. And in this passage, we're going to not only learn of the attitude that the congregation is to have to leaders, you're going to learn something about the leaders. You're going to learn something about what a true leader, a true shepherd is to look like and to be like what is to be his desires and aims in the church. So look with me at verse 17. As I read, remembering. Uh, this is God's word. Obey your leaders. And submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will get, will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is God's word. God is the ultimate authority. When we think about authority, we are to think about God, who is the creator. The word authority means the the right and the power to do something. Isaiah 45, verse 5 says this. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. God is the creator who has authority over man and all creation. Isaiah 45 verse 18 says this, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is God who formed the earth and made it. He he, he established it. He, 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 he did not create it empty. He, he formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord. There is no other. And so when we think about authority, ultimate authority belongs to God alone. All authority is established by him and is under his ultimate authority. God the Father has given authority to his Son. To God the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. While on earth, his divine authority was revealed in the power of his word. They, the people said he spoke as one with authority. We Saw so we see his authority revealed in a, in his miracles, in his power over nature, in his ability to forgive sin, in his victory over demons and Satan, uh, who 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 obeyed him. Ultimately, we see the son's sovereign authority as God and his power over life and death. 
in, in his obedience to his father, Jesus, the good shepherd, voluntarily gave his life and then rose from the dead for his sheep. John 10 and 18 says, no one takes it from me, talking about his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I lay my life down. I give my life willingly. And he says, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge. I have received from my father, John 10 and 18. When he arose from the dead, Jesus Christ received all authority in heaven and earth. And said, he said in Matthew 28 and 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In verse 20. With this authority, all authority in heaven and earth, with this authority, he commands the church to make disciples. And he goes on, he says, the church is to teach disciples, teach to obey, to keep, to follow. Uh, uh, he says to observe, uh, to keep, to follow, to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. With this authority, he commands the church to make disciples. Disciples who observe, who keep, who follow, obey all that he have commanded. So for the Christian who lives his life on earth, the Lord Jesus Christ is his highest authority. And therefore, we must submit to his words, namely, all of Scripture. All of Scripture. We must submit to, to all of Scripture as our highest authority because we are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And after his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, Jesus didn't cease having authority because he because he was no longer present physically with his sheep. In his absence. He gave the apostles. The prophets. The evangelists. The shepherds and teachers. Ephesians 4 and 11. And what all of those gifts have in common. Is that. They. Proclaim the word. Spiritual leaders are given by Christ. To the church to lead, to teach. And to live their lives on the authority of God's word. And their primary concern. Is the spiritual care of the congregation. And this is what we're going to see in our text. That their concern by God, their obligation before Christ is to glorify God and to care for the sheep. Because the one who has authority in heaven and on earth has obligated them to do this. Look at verse number 17. Obey your leaders. This is how the writer starts out here. Obey your leaders. Believers are called to obey their spiritual leaders. This the, the root word, this is interesting when we're talking about obey here in this passage, because the root word for obey is convince or persuade. In other words, the writer, as this word is translated in other parts of scripture, it is it is translated persuade. Uh, it is translated be persuaded by uh, to to rely upon. In a sense of trusting. Uh, to uh, be persuaded 
Uh, matter of fact, if you look down at verse 18, where you see we are sure, that's the same word obey that is used here in verse 17. In verse 18, the writer says, pray for us, for we are sure. Same word. We are sure. We're persuaded. We trust that when he goes on, he says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So this word, uh, the NIV translate this word as have confidence. And, and the idea of obey here is to conform one's action uh, to to he's talking about the leaders to conform one's action to the leaders teaching because you trust and are persuaded that their teaching is right. Are you persuaded? That your leaders. What your leaders are teaching, what they're preaching is right. To the point that you obey what you're being taught. This this word obey is in the middle voice, meaning that the recipients are responsible for doing this. They have an obligation to do this. It's not that the leaders make the congregation obey. The congregation has a responsibility to do this, a responsibility, an obligation given by God to do this. And so what this means is that leaders aren't to micromanage every personal choice that you make. You must follow and uh, uh, them as they follow Christ and you must obey Christ. According to what you know is true. That's your responsibility. This word here, he says, obey your leaders. Leaders here is plural. And, and, and notice that the writer says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Currently, there's a, a plurality of men actively leading this congregation. There's pastors, there's, there's elders, there, there's a group of men, not one person. And these, he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. And the implication is, is that they're leading with unity. They're unified in their leading. Uh, a, a plurality of leaders is, is, is good, particularly for the leaders, because it protects the leaders from abusing their power, uh, 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 as you were, from abusing their position. And, and, it, and it allows for mutual accountability. And, 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 and another reason for a plurality of leaders is that the responsibilities of shepherding God's people are far too great for one man to do alone. This is why you got leaders. You got you, you uh, in the scripture, we constantly see uh, it, uh, leaders being uh, elders, plural, uh, uh, leaders in the church, there, there, there were many because it's, it's a it's a heavy response. This is why people burn out. Man, you know, when 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 you have one shepherd who is leading. The tendency is, is that that person will burn out because this is if they do it right, this is a heavy responsibility. It's nothing to play with. We'll see this later on. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's too, it's a great response. Matter of fact, Paul says, who, who can do this? Who, who can do these things? Understanding the responsibility. And notice that the writer of Hebrews says, he says, obey your leaders. In what sense are they your leaders? Are they here? For to serve your personal interests or personal desires. God has set leaders, and this is the sense. God has set leaders over the church for the good of the sheep. 
leaders. They're your leaders in a sense that God has placed them here for your good, for your benefit, for your spiritual benefit. In Acts 20, Acts 20, verse 28, Paul tells the Ephesian elders, he says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There are overseers in the church because the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. And Paul goes on to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. They're your leaders in a sense that it is the Holy Spirit, it is Christ who has placed them and gifted them to serve for your spiritual good. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. God says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. This is the purpose of your shepherds. This is the purpose of your leaders. To feed their, our primary purpose is to feed you the word of God. So that you may grow into a mature man and woman in Jesus Christ. And when a leader's heart is after God's heart, he will be devoted to doing the will of God. And when the things of, of God's heart are in the leader's heart, the result would be a concern that God's will and name is glorified in the church. So a shepherd after God's own heart, he will saturate his life and work in the truth of God's word so that his prayers and preaching and counseling and encouragement and correction flow from and align with God's word. This is the sense in which they are your leaders. Remember back in verse seven, uh, talking about the past leaders, the writer said, remember your leaders. And what did he emphasize about their past leaders? Those, he said, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And this is rooted, their life and, and, and the word in which they submitted to themselves to was rooted in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But beloved, your, your leader's personal and spiritual obligation is, is to you. For the sake of Jesus Christ, are you persuaded and obeying the direction your leaders give from the word of God? Are you persuaded? Or do you rebel against their instruction and go your own way and serve your own personal interests? The writer says, obey your leaders, be persuaded, be persuaded, uh, uh, live persuaded that what they're teaching is right. And he goes on, he said, look at verse 17 again. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. The writer of Hebrews says, submit to them. And he's not talking about corrupt and wicked leaders. That's not in view here. False teachers are not in view here. Again, this is given in light of verse number seven of Hebrews chapter 13. These are leaders who are submitting to the word of God. And if they submit to the word of God, you must willingly submit to them. When they teach God's truth, you must submit. And, and ultimately, because I know as we hear these words, obey and submit, they kind of ruffle feathers, particularly in the age in which we live. But as you submit to your elders, ultimately, it's to Christ whom you're submitting. L listen 
to John 13, chapter 20. Jesus himself says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. These are heavy words that those whom Christ sent, if you if they are received, they those who do the receiving receive him and they receive the one who sent Christ, God, the father. So submission and obedience to leaders is a sign of submission. To the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when God's people submit willingly and joyfully to the elders and their loving leadership, it, it is a testimony. It is, it is a public testimony to the greater reality that Christ reigned in this place. That, that Jesus Christ sits on a throne in heaven, ruling his kingdom and making intercession for his people. This, this unseen truth becomes visible when the, as the congregation obeys and submits. Our unbelieving friends and neighbors who have no knowledge of what the eternal reign of Christ looks like. And the way that they get a clue of what it looks like is when they see the congregation conducting themselves in a way that honors Christ, that honors him as Lord and head of the church who has given gifted men to lead his flock. This is a, a, a heavy responsibility. This, this is this this is this is heavy. This is a heavy responsibility for for the leaders because they are keeping watch over your souls. It, 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 this is why you should obey and submit to your leaders. Look at what the writer goes on and says. He says, for day. This is emphatic. Westcott says this. He says, for day and no other. What your leaders are called to do, nobody else is going to do it for you. There aren't people lining up in the streets to come in to be leaders in the church. If they're a true leader. If they're a true leader, they're not going to be like, oh, they're not going to volunteer to do this work. It is said of one of the, of John Knox, when, of John Knox when the, the men around him was confirming that he was called to the ministry, <laughs> he started crying. And we know John Knox, is he's a strong man. You know, if you know church history, he's a, he was a strong leader in 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 the in the uh in the church but when he got a sense that he was called by God to be a leader in the church he started crying because he understood the weight the gravitas the weightiness of the call and 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 and, 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 and even though there's a weightiness uh, leaders, they're doing it willingly. <laughs> Seems like a contradiction. The writer says, for they are keeping watch. They are. This, this is what they're doing. And if they're not doing this, then you probably need to get new leaders. He says, for they are keeping watch over your souls. And, and, and I have to say this, you know, no one can care for you personally 
like the leaders that God has given to the church personally. You have godly men who are teaching and preaching in other churches, and, and you can watch them on YouTube. You can watch them live screen on the Internet, but they can't care for you like your leaders in this congregation. Because you can sin. You can walk in sin and they won't even know it. They are leading their churches and the congregation is obeying and following them. Uh, they, they are giving themselves over to ministry in the churches and the flock that God has called uh, these leaders too. And yet you're here in this church. And, and your responsibility is to serve God in this church. Now, if you were in their church, then you're responsible to them. And they're obligated to care for you. But the, uh, but the ones that are obligated to care for you and day and day alone is those whom God has given the desire to serve as shepherds in this flock. And that should give your heart joy. That God has given you personally leaders to who has your best interest in mind, who actively and, 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 and ceasingly and, and willingly keep watch. They're keeping watch. And the, the sense of this word keep watch here is to watch ceaselessly with sleepless nights. Richard Phillips observed uh, uh, about this word. He says this, he says, quote, to watch, uh, to watch uh, ceaselessly, uh, ceaselessly. Uh, he says uh, uh, of this word, he says, they are gifted men, talking about these leaders, by God for rule and, and, and Christian teaching. They lie awake at night. And he says, that is what the verb keeping watch literally means pondering over the spiritual well-being, how they might help and support us in the faith, end quote. The writer says of these leaders, they're keeping, they're lying awake at night thinking about you. And can I say every true, this is true of every leader? Lie awake, thinking about the congregation. Lie awake, thinking about what, uh, how it is that that he can pre present the word in, in such a way that it will be of a benefit to the congregation for the sake of Christ. Like the watchman in Ezekiel chapter three, verse seventeen. Where God says, son of man, I have made you a watchman. A watchman is one who keeps guard and watches attentively. He says, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And this is, in a sense, what, a, what, what leaders, true leaders in the church, they, they are watchmen, watching and, 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 uh, Going into the word of God and looking and meditating upon God's word. And looking to be of a spiritual benefit. To the people. Because God has given them the obligation. Look at what the writer says. He says, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Those in ministry bear this heavy responsibility for the spiritual health of the congregation. Keeping watch over souls is a, a serious responsibility because souls are eternal. Souls are eternal whether you are a believer or unbeliever. This is a humbling responsibility, beloved. 
And God is giving you insight into the heart that he has given your leaders. One pastor said that one of the children in the church has said of him, all he does is get up on Sunday and preach the word of God. And then the rest of the week, he's just, you know, probably sleep. So that you don't fall into that temptation. So that you don't so that you don't make assumptions about your leaders. So that you don't think things that are not true of your leaders. God gives you a blueprint. Of the obligation that he has given. That he has given to them. Uh, the obligation that he has placed in their hearts. These leaders, they are key. This, this means that they're doing it willingly. This is what a leader willingly does and, and humbly does. He, he watches over. And how do they do this? How, how do leaders watch or keep watch over your souls? First, for unbelievers, they present God as holy. And warn about his wrath. Leaders proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and warn them. If, if, if you reject his gospel, you will have to stand before the Lord himself one day. And so this is one way that leaders. Are keeping watch. Over your souls, because the congregation is made up of believers and unbelievers. And so they they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, leaders keep watch over believers souls by focusing on each believer's spiritual health and vitality. We we are to give your leaders are to give themselves to persistent prayer for you. They're to get themselves to faithful Faithfully teaching and expositing scripture for you. Leaders are to feed you with the word of God. They're they're to help you grow in the knowledge of Christ and, and live out the implications of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Leaders are given so that you may have one hope, hope in Jesus Christ and his return. John Stott said this, he says, God's people live and flourish only by believing and obeying his word, end quote. And so this is how leaders watch over the souls of the of believers in the congregation. They do it by feeding, feeding with the word of God. Teaching, preaching, explaining, exhorting, admonishing from the word of God. For what purpose? For what purpose? John Stott says again, John Stott quoted uh, an American Puritan uh, named Cotton uh, Manter. And this is what Cotton Manter said. And this is John Stott quoting him. He said, Quote, the great design and intention of the office of a Christian preacher are to resort. Listen to what he says. Restore the throne and the dominion of God in the souls of men to display in the most lively colors and proclaim in the clearest language the wonderful perfections, office and grace of the son of God and to attract the souls of men into a state of everlasting friendship with him. In other words, they care for souls by pointing you to Jesus Christ. Think about the writer of Hebrews. What has the writer of Hebrews? What has and, and uh, the writer of Hebrews appears to have been one of the leaders in the church. And we'll see that. Uh, within the coming week and within this church. 
how has the leader, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews been dealing with these believers? He's been pointing them to Jesus Christ. He's been admonishing them and correcting them with the truth about Jesus Christ. Have he done anything outside of that in this letter? No. Because that's not the, the, the primary concern of a shepherd is to feed the flock with the word of God. Because there's threats. There's, there's threats out there. Threats to your soul. Unbelief. Drifting. Drifting in the faith. Drifting away from the truth of the gospel. That's a threat. That's a threat to the soul. Because you may be an apostate. And leaders warn. You may be living in sin. You may be indifferent toward God and toward Christ. And leaders must give their attention to this for the sake of the glory of God and your spiritual health. And so not only does a leader keep watch over your souls, he bears this heavy obligation, but they will give an account. To, listen. You won't you don't give an account. For other believers in the congregation. But it is said of leaders, they will give an account to the Lord how they watch over your soul. Do you hear that? The writer says. He says. For they are keeping watch over your soul as. As those. Who will give an account? Leaders are called by God and will have to give an account for the soul of human beings, not to an earthly boss, but to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is why James said in James 3 and 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And this is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, matter of fact, turn in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Do you care for your leaders? Knowing that they're going to have to give an account for you. For how they watch. Over you. Second Corinthians chapter two. Verse 14. I'll start there. Paul says. But but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. This is what the Apostle Paul, the ambassador of Jesus Christ, and he saw as uh, himself as one who was a slave of Christ and, and who was uh, 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 Christ had. Uh, came and 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 took over in a sense his life saved him and he now is submitted as a slave to Jesus Christ and through him and through that ministry uh, the Lord is is the, the the fragrant knowledge of Christ is is being spread they're they're teaching Christ he says for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to, to life. 
who is sufficient for these things. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul willingly understood the cost of being an ambassador for Christ. And he did it without reservation. He did it knowing that he's going to have to give an account. That that as he speaks of Christ, that he is speaking before the presence of the one who sees and knows all things. What a weight. What a weight. And these leaders here, these leaders understand the cost and, and they willingly led the congregation. The writer says they did, they, they watched over the souls as though they did it knowing that they will have to give an account. This is, this is what a, when, when, when a man comes into the ministry, he, this needs to be understood. He needs to do this willingly. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, he says a man, uh, matter of fact, let's turn over there. You got to see that one. First Peter, chapter five, verse two. Saying to the elders. In verse one, he says, so I exhort the elders among you. These are elders who are among the congregation that God has given the responsibility. To lead. He says, shepherd the flock. That is among you. In verse two. The flock that God in his sovereign providence has placed you among. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion. But willingly. As God would have you. Not for shameful gain but eager. Shepherds are to exercise oversight willingly and eagerly knowing the cost. Knowing the cost. And God so changes when when God saves an individual, saves a man who he has called to the ministry who he has gifted with the gift of shepherding and teacher teaching. That man has such a burden for 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 leading, for shepherding that he says like the Apostle Paul in first Corinthians nine and 16. Paul says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity. Is laid upon me. For necessity is laid upon me. For woe is unto me. If I do not preach the gospel. For woe is unto me. If I preach not the gospel. Paul said. And I can tell you. A true shepherd would be miserable doing something else. He, he would be miserable trying to trying to give all his attention to doing something else outside of preaching and teaching. He'll find some kind of way to talk about the word of God. Ask Nora. 
find some kind of way to preach. <laughs> Even if you're sitting at the dinner table or riding home from Oklahoma City. And this is the blessing of having true shepherds. A true, true elders who are called by God. A person, sure, a person can come in and and if they're if they they can come in and and because they're prideful, because they're not called by by God, they can be prideful and come in and and lead for selfish reasons. Yeah, you 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 have people like that. They come in, they're prideful, they're selfish, they serve their own interests. Yeah, you you have people like that. But I can tell you that person won't last. They're, they're, they're not going to last in ministry. They're going to give up. They're going to move on. As a matter of fact, research says this. The average pastor stays at a church less than two years. And in ministry, less than five years. Well, praise God, I got a, I'm over the five-year mark, so uh, praise God for that. For five years, many pastors or those who said it they were pastors, they give up and go do something else, sell cars or do something like that. And what does that what does that reflect that they weren't called? Because a true leader, those who have been given uh, the, the heart to shepherd God's people, even though it's tough, even though it's hard, even though they will have to give an account for God, they have such an heart that this is no problem for them. That they're going to do it. Regardless of the storms going on in their lives. And this is why the author says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Every church member should be concerned that 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 your leaders will be held responsible before the Lord Jesus Christ for how they keep watch over your souls. You should submit so that it might be with joy that your pastors serve you. Pastors are grieved when trying to teach and preach and exercise pastoral care and the sheep refuse to be helped they refuse to believe or to heed their teaching this brings grief to your leaders and the only re- only way you know this is because God said it right here they're not going to tell you that but God wants you to know that So don't ignore your pastor's warnings or teachings. Don't cause division. I've seen this where you have people, you have a a plurality of leaders, a plurality of elders, and you have people in the congregation going to one elder and saying, you my pastor. And they call the other leaders just by their name. They call one pastor, but then they don't call the others pastor. You can cause division by going behind one elder's back to the other elder. And if you did that to me, I'm going to tell you to go. Don't 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 come to me with that. You go you go talk to you go talk to the one that you got a problem with because that's what the scripture says. Now don't don't come complaining to me. I, I I I'm gonna tell you that if you come complaining about Pastor Mark, I'm gonna send you I'm gonna send you to him. 
So don't cause divisions. Don't complain and always second guess your leaders. Don't let your first impulse be to distrust and be suspicious of them. Don't gossip about them. Don't give their families a hard time. This is important because we live in a in an anti-authority age where the prevailing view of people in America today is one of rebellion and resistance against authority. And this attitude has come into the church. Respect for church leaders is, is at an all-time low. And, 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 and sometimes I think when, you know, as, as we preach and teach, that some may see the, the teaching and preaching in the church as an inconvenience. An inconvenience to life. Because what is happening in my life outside of the church is more important than what is happening in the church. An anti-authority age in which we live. Matter of fact, Paul said uh, uh, in Thessalonians, we, it's an age of lawlessness. The spirit of the Antichrist. So they would give an account to the Lord. And it's unprofitable for you if your leaders lead without joy. The writer goes on and says, for that would be of no advantage to you. Notice he doesn't just say for the leader's sake. He says, but for your own advantage, it wouldn't be no advantage to you. As a leader, a true leader would constantly give themselves the prayer and ministry of the word. They, they will be constantly thinking about what is right for the flock and, 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 and the sheep. And, and, and they will always be weighing that and saying, will God approve of, 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 of what we're doing as a congregation? This, this is a, a, a constant. This is a constant uh, a, a desire. Uh, for for a leader, they, they they strive. A true leader would strive to nourish and protect and keep the sheep with, of the flock within the safety fold. Because that pleases the Lord. And it's good for the, the spiritual well-being of the people. It, it is for your advantage, the writer says. That you submit and obey. Because God and the Lord Jesus Christ is leading the flock through the under shepherds. It's no advantage to you if you cause your pastors to groan by taking a, a position, a position, a hardened position of refusing to submit to them. That's, that's of no advantage to you. It's, it's of no advantage to the church. Because as one pastor told me a long time ago, God won't bless a mess. And if we're messy, as a church, we can't expect God to grow the church. And so as I close, God wants you to know this. Not for your leaders to boast, 
It was hard for me to preach this passage because I didn't want to appear self-serving. But it is my obligation as an expositor of the scripture who preach verse by verse. It is my responsibility. But when I come through, come over a passage like this is the preaching and the teaching. And this is what God wants you to know. He, he is giving you insight again into what he has built into true leaders of the congregation. You don't have to you don't have to figure it out what 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 it is that you're that that if your pastors are true and, and they are truly called and gifted by God, how it is that they think about you, how it is that they're concerned about you. This passage gives you insight. And as I said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't come to you and tell you this. Because that would be self-serving. Wouldn't it? Then you'd be like, oh, we ain't hearing that. But the Holy Spirit. Has put these words in Scripture. And and what a privilege it is. As, as Paul told the Philippian church, he said that he was was striving side by side for the faith of the gospel with the believers in Philippi, that they were working together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the glory of Jesus Christ. What a privilege that is. What a what a picture uh, that paints uh, the, the, a glorious a picture of, of the sovereignty of Christ when the leaders and the congregation are walking together in unity and one accord for the sake of Christ. We all have a part to do in that. Let us give heed to, to God's word. Let us pray. Father, as we live in a time, as we look out into the world in which we live, as we even turn on the TV and, and see what is called churches in this nation. We see many prideful men. We see we 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 are often we often run across members of congregations who are selfish and think only of their own desires being met in church. Father, you have you have chosen us in Christ for a purpose. And that purpose is to worship you with reverence and awe. And we worship you by submitting to what your word says about how we are to conduct ourselves in the household of God. This is your house. We are the body of Christ. We don't belong to ourselves. We are not placed within the body to serve our own interests. We're placed here to glorify Christ. In whatever sphere that you call us to, 
Not every congregant is a leader. And the congregation has those in, the, in this congregation has responsibilities that that all that fall outside of the church. They have jobs, they have families. But nevertheless, they are obligated to you. And so, Father, we thank you for your word that gives us because you're a God of order. You're a God of order and you have given us instructions on what order looks like in your church. And so we thank you and we praise you and we honor you in Christ's name. Amen.